0: Support for the WojPod comes from Wix.com. With Wix, you can create your very own professional website, choose a template you love, and customize it by adding your own text, images, and videos. With hundreds of intuitive design features, you can tell your story exactly the way you want. Want even more for your website? You can easily start a blog, launch an online store, or create an event. Share everything in a click on social media, and drive even more traffic to your site with SEO tools to get found on Google. Wix has all the tools you need to create the exact website you want. You can even create a beautiful website while listening to this very podcast. Over 140 million people choose Wix to create their website, so create yours today. Get started now by going to Wix.com, that's W-I-X.com slash W-O-J, to get 10% off. Welcome into another edition of the Woj Pod here in Chicago at the NBA's Draft Combine with Gerson Rosas, the new president of basketball operations with the Minnesota Timberwolves. Stay with us. Welcome into Gerson Rosas, the new president of basketball operations with the Minnesota Timberwolves here in Chicago at the end of the NBA's Draft Combine week. Gerson, how are you? I'm doing good. We're in a... Kind of hotel downtown that team presidents get to stay in. It's similar to your early days at Westbury Christian when you would travel <laughs> with the team, the presidential suite at the Peninsula. This is
1: you've been used to this for a very long time, right? Um, I think my old uh, roommate, assistant coach Reed Sutton, who's at Furman coaching the women's basketball team, would enjoy that comment because <laughs> he used to complain about my uh, my snoring when we had the room <laughs> up on the road. So we've come a long way, Gerson, To start
0: in a new job, new franchise, come after 17-plus years in Houston with the Rockets, when you come to the Combine, you know, it's a convention of the league. Everybody's here to see the players, but there's a lot of business getting done. You get trade talks are starting or picking up from maybe trade deadline or even last year with teams. When you get with other team executives, with the agents, what's the message about, hey, Wolves are doing business, how now?
1: So for me, it's incredibly advantageous to be here uh, and to have had at least you know a couple of weeks before we got here to assess where we were at, where we're at in Minnesota, and to understand what are our strengths, what are our challenges. But this platform gives me the opportunity to really share our vision, uh, and it's a it's a mandate from Glenn and, and Becky Taylor in terms of what they want from this organization, and. Uh, they want a world-class organization. What we want to present to all our league partners is an organization that's modern, that's player-centric, that's family-oriented, but that wants to build a championship. And we need to build a sustainable model that's going to take time. Uh, but we don't just want to win. We don't just want to be in the playoffs here and there. We want to build something over time that's never been done in Minnesota. And the opportunity to message that here in Chicago with uh with other teams is important you know at this point in time where i'm at and i'm continuing to assess the roster uh we've got a great foundation piece in carl anthony towns and my job is really to do everything possible from every perspective to maximize not only his talent but his career on the court and off the court so there's a messaging to the league of you know, we want to be aggressive in the marketplace, and that's easy to say. That's hard to do because execution is difficult in this league. But we want to explore, explore all avenues. You know, we're, we're coming on to the draft, so our ability to make the best pick possible at 11 is critical. Um, looking options to move up in the draft. If we feel like there's good value on the board and we can move back, those are things we'll explore as well. We have a second-round pick. Uh, and then I think overall the strategy is to question the norm, what's been done, how it's been done here in Minnesota, uh, in the past, and look for trade partners where we can do win-win deals that will allow us to build our roster to what our vision is.
0: Gerson, when you use the term modern, when you talk about a modern franchise,
1: what does that mean now? What does that mean to you? So we're in a very exciting age, whether it's the world, whether it's sports, whether it's technology, whether it's data, um, we're getting it at, at, at record levels, and there's record change, record evolution, and to be able to personalize that from a basketball model is very important, and it's not one formula, it's not a plan that's set in stone, it's just the common approach of how do we be best in every area of an organization? And that can be player wellness. That can be uh, player development. Uh, it could be how our strategy of how we play the game, our strategy of how we build our roster, um, our strategy to how we're committed to our uh, market and our community. So for us, um, it's hiring the best people getting the best minds, getting the best team together, and really executing a championship vision in our market in the most advantageous, strategic, and efficient manner. You know, we're not the biggest market, but we're a very strong market in in Minnesota. We've got great ownership who wants to build and do things the right way. And because of that, it's my responsibility to make sure that uh, it's not about being new or just cutting edge. It's about doing the right things for the right reasons.
0: Gerson, you've interviewed for several jobs through the years, whether it was GM, president job, whatever the title, of a top basketball executive. What do you learn about going in and selling, not just yourself, but a vision? How much better at it do you get? You think of maybe the first interviews you had to going in and getting an offer on Minnesota. Is it exhausting? Is it tiring? You get on a plane, you go, you know, there's maybe three or four other candidates In a lot of cases, it's the same candidates and you're competing against the same pool of
1: guys for different jobs. What's that been like the last couple of years? It's so interesting because from a public perspective, people don't have all the details. They don't have all the understanding of how those conversations go or how it's executed. A lot of times people ask me, like, why are you talking to all these teams? You know, Why are you going through all these processes? But to me, it's been such a fulfilling part of my development. Uh, because, number one, um, and, I, and I, I look at it as a professional development exercise, you have to continue to grow, develop, and stretch yourself through every process because you have to communicate who you are, what your vision is, uh, what your experience is, and how you're going to approach uh, each organization, which has a whole set of different values, different perspectives, and different objectives. So for me... It's been such a, (laughs) such a process of learning, growing and challenging. Um, Every ownership group is different. Uh, you're basically looking for the right marriage, the right partnership, somebody that you hold equal values in terms of ho- not only how you see the game, but how you see life and how you can execute that vision in that market. So for me, it's stretched me. I've learned something from every process. I've, I've, I've grown uh, my relationships by all the people that I've met, and that's challenged me to be better. Um, I always said as I went through this process Um, you have to keep in mind that you're going to be at the right place at the right time. And now looking back, I look at some of those experiences and I did fall short for certain reasons. I wasn't the right fit for certain ownership groups, but it was all with the purpose to get me where I'm at today. I've always thought that you get better
0: at interviewing for jobs. I've always felt like when you were more authoritative and more confident about what you were doing, the better you got at it, you kind of went in with, in your mind, more authority About what you were talking about, how proficient you felt you were at it. But I also think it sort of, it forces you to sort of crystallize what exactly it is you believe in and not just what you do, but why you do it. And I think it, I don't know, even when I was younger and you'd interview for a job, you, you always felt like the better command you had at what you were doing. It probably
1: showed through when you sat with them. Is that, did you feel that along the way? Absolutely. I think it's such an evolution of uh, who you are, not only as a person, but as a professional. And I look back at, at some of those experiences, some of those opportunities, and the ownership that I have at this point in time in terms of, you know, my perspective, my ideals, my strategy, uh, my ability to lead and to gather people, staff, uh, and to execute a vision is so much further than when I was in the past. But I wouldn't have gotten here unless I went through those opportunities. And I have to say one of the most fascinating things, and I've been very uh, blessed starting with my experience in Houston, but the owners, the leaders in this league are so uh, bright, uh, visionary. The league that we're in is so special. You know, working in Houston with Leslie Alexander, who has a totally different perspective from – Tillman and Patrick Fertitta and the Fertita family those exposures were important to me and each of the stops that I interviewed with each of the groups that I interviewed with just how they see the game we're at a very golden age of this league in terms of ownership and how teams are run and the coaches in this league it's exciting to be a part in a group of that leadership set how did you get your first job your first foot in the door in Houston so uh the process for me is one of the road less traveled and i love to say that because i hope it's a motivation to others that if i can do it they can do it uh, but i've always believed in passion uh, and to me uh, and i you know when i when i'm fortunate enough to talk to uh, people it's you know find your passion and i found that at a very early age in my life i was very realistic about who i was and what i needed to do so anything that you can imagine uh, from A to Z, I look for opportunities to be able to find a, a way into this industry, whether it was working with agents or shoe companies or sports marketing firms. You know, my background, my profile had to be one of different experiences. And through those experiences in Houston, I was able to get exposure to the Houston Rockets. Um, I got an opportunity to meet with Dennis Lindsey, who's uh, been a Long time and special mentor for me. And he did something he didn't have to do. You know, uh, I got an opportunity to sit down with him and talk to him and ask him about the industry and ask him about, uh, his role. Uh, he at the time, he's an assistant GM for the Rockets. And he really took the time because he saw the passion that I had and, and basically drew things out for me. Hey, this is what the path is going to look like. And it's a long road, but if you really want this, you'll commit to it. And I started, you know, I took, I heeded his advice. I took it to heart. I knew it was a long road. It was going to be a long path, but he gave me hope, you know, at a time where the odds are against you. Uh, There's so much competition to get in this league. Someone took the time to sit you down and walk you through the potential of how you could fulfill your dream. And that to me was very powerful. So whether it was interning with the Rockets, working on the business side, uh, you know, hearing the hard words from Dennis of, uh, after two seasons of interning, you're still not ready. You still need more. Go coach. Go get your credibility on the basketball side. And then going to Westbury Christian and having an unbelievable experience with Greg Glenn, who, one of the top coaches I've, I've ever seen in basketball, and thinking, hey, I'll be a high school assistant, I'll be a high school head coach the rest of my life, and I'll be happy. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm in my, my sport. I'm doing things that I think are important. Uh, going to University of Houston as a graduate assistant with Ray McCallum, uh, working with the Venezuelan Basketball Federation, I needed to keep that passion going. And it was learning. It was sharpening my skill set. It was getting relevant experiences. And it's tough. You know, I'm at the University of Houston. Ray McCallum uh, and our staff uh, gets fired. And I'm just got. I've just gotten married. We've just gotten a house, and my wife and I are having a conversation that summer about. So, what are you going to do? You know, my wife fortunately had um, a great occupation, and, and and we were okay. But it was a turning point in my career. And as uh, basketball timing goes, it was the same summer that Rudy Tomjanovich got hired by the Lakers and took a lot of his staff to L.A. And I get a call from Dennis out of the blue. And uh, he said, it's time. I've got an opportunity for you, and you're ready. First day on the job full-time in Houston, you walked in, headed the video room? Uh, in the video room, uh, Dennis and Carol Dawson uh, were visionaries. We were actually one of the only teams that had a video coordinator for the player personnel side. And that was the entry path into a career in scouting and player evaluation. The coaches you were around in Houston
0: from Rudy T., Jeff Van Gundy, Rick Adelman. I mean, even think of the Jeff Van Gundy coaching staff. Tom Thibodeau, Steve Clifford, Patrick Ewing. Andy Greer, Mike Longham, Yeah. As you become an executive, like I said, you spent time on the coaching side. What do you learn about what you want in a coach? And you're doing a coaching search now in Minnesota. Ryan Saunders is the interim coach, and I know you spent a lot of time with him. You knew Ryan coming into the job. And I know you've spent a lot of time with Ryan since you took over and I know you've done some interviews this week. What have you learned when, especially when you're on very different coaches, Rudy T and Rick Adelman and Jeff, they're, they're not <laughs> the same coaching tree, but in the end they're all trying to get to the same thing.
1: A couple of things. One being, and, uh, and the variance of, of those coaches is there's different ways to do things. There's just not one way, different approaches, different mentalities. Um, uh, And that was new to me, you know. Um, I'm a guy early in my basketball career, and I'm fortunate enough to come into the league with Rudy Tomjanovich, whose culture and love for the sport, but also the love for people, was so welcoming. And for that to be my first experience. uh, And then to have a chance to work with a coach like Jeff Van Gundy, who's incredibly brilliant, uh, and and the guy that to this day, I'm, I'm very fortunate to say, is one of my best friends, not only in the industry, but in life and a guy who, uh, challenges me and, and helps me to see things from different perspectives. Um, so, and, t- and, by, and by the way, the Jeff Van Gundy that people hear on television
0: who comes out with, when you say challenges you to think of things from different perspectives,
1: but it's what he's like when you walk around, and you talk to him. He'll just blurt something out. It's so random <laughs> and you never know. He's so, intelligent that you never know where it's coming from so he might question the food if you're at a restaurant the (laughs) weather where you live what, what you're wearing you never know with him but you know what part of that was understanding different perspectives uh but the other part was the fundamental piece of a front office and coaching relationship you know i saw carol dawson and how he handled that i saw dennis Lindsay and the partnership with with him and jeff um you know i was fortunate to see daryl and his different relationship with different coaches but to me it's such a fundamental piece to success you know i talk about it all the time um we are going through a coaching search and there's so many levels of it's not just hey find the best coach get the most experience it's all about fit. It's all about partnership. And it's all about the ability to have common values and common beliefs to execute it, not only on the court, but in the locker room, in the draft room, in free agency. It's a marriage. And you got to be able to agree to disagree. You got to be able to challenge each other. And you got to be able to realize that every step of the way, you're doing everything you can with the organizational goals in mind. But it's so different. I mean, I you know, after Jeff, we have Rick Adelman. And talk about it. We went from one of the top defensive coaches in the league to one of the top offensive coaches. And to see his brilliance in terms of approach versus Jeff's. And then to have a guy like Kevin McHale, who I I think the world of, you know, a close friend. And we shared a lot of special memories in Houston. And I knew him before. He was a head coach in Houston. I have spent time with him after. Um, and even now to Mike D'Antoni, who's you know the father of the modern NBA offense, uh, and to it's not only the basketball, it's not only how are we putting this roster together, or how we're we playing, or why did we win or why did we lose. Is the personal relationship of understanding and valuing each other, and being able to play on our own team. This is our version of basketball. It's a strategic game of execution, and you want to do it with really bright people that make your job a lot easier.
0: Spring is finally here, and if you're looking to get back into a great workout groove, I have to tell you about the latest from Peloton, the Tread. Now listen, jogging is nice, but you can't tell me it's enjoyable to go for a run when it's pouring rain out, or worse yet, at 8 o'clock at night when you finally get home from work. Well, there's a much better alternative, and that's the Tread by Peloton. Runner's World described the Tread as a gorgeous, hip, New York City gym in the comfort of your own home, and a go-to training tool. The New York Times said, it's like having a personal trainer come to your house whenever you'd like. The thing is amazing. It offers an expansive range of boot camp, running, strength, walking, and stretching classes that reimagine the at-home total body workout experience. I love Tread because it's so convenient and it provides an amazing variety of exercises. I mean, you never repeat the same workout unless you want to, of course. And it has a true personal feel. Work up a sweat with world-class instructors who are running, walking, stretching, and training by your side. The motivation is real-time and crazy effective. So if you want an incredible workout experience, discover the immersive and challenging total body training you can get from Peloton Shred. And best of all, Peloton is offering my listeners a limited time offer. Go to OnePeloton.com, use the code WOGE, and get started. You may not be sitting here, Gerson, if not for the James Harden trade in Houston, the level of success it's brought you here the last several years. I remember where I was when I got word of the trade. It was a Saturday night. I was watching the Oklahoma-Notre Dame football game. <laughs> it was about ten twenty, 1020, ten twenty-five 10.25 p.m. I'm funny how details I remember. I had been on my phone, but it's late on a Saturday night. I knew that the James negotiations and... Oklahoma City were coming down to the wire. I remember I had spoken with well, his agent was Rob Palenka, Sam Presty was the GM, and they were trying to negotiate that an extension prior to the deadline. But it was still a few. The deadline was still a few days away. I remember it wasn't the night of the deadline, and and I thought it was possible they could trade him if they didn't come to an agreement. I didn't think it was going to be that Saturday night. And I remember I was taking some grief. We were trying. We were watching again. We were talking. I remember my wife saying to me. Could you put the phone down? Can you just put it down for a minute? While I'm trying to. I'm talking to you. So I remember I turned it upside down so I wouldn't be distracted by it, and I picked it up and looked. I don't know. Maybe I heard the buzz, but a text message came, and it probably was sitting there for three or four minutes, which in the news game is like an eternity. Ten people could have it by then, and I pick it up and I see a text that you need to check. This thing's happened, and and luckily, that was just me on the tail end of it. But it's really changed the NBA. You think of trades in the last decade. The James Harden trade with the Rockets changed the balance of power in the league. It changed the trajectory of that Oklahoma City team. It changed your franchise in Houston. Walk me through that deal, which was, I think, a complicated one on a lot of levels because of the timing and whether Oklahoma City was really going to go through with it. You and Daryl
1: Morey and your group sort of get into the finish line on that one. It was a very interesting time in Houston. Uh, you know, the background is Leslie Alexander's our owner, and, and he's given us a mandate. You know, we have to compete. We're coming off Tracy and Yao uh, and the eventual end of their careers. Uh, there's no opportunity to reset, you know, in, in our market, and Leslie's vision was find a way to compete. You know, we, we weren't going to be in the position to get a, fi- a top five pick, Uh, We needed to find fundamental pieces. We were looking at different opportunities to reset our roster, to reset our core, to find the best player. And it was um, an incredibly frustrating and challenging process. You know, you're talking about three or four years of trying to find your way, uh, you know, a couple of different coaches, um, a lot of transactions. And it's tough. It's tough in an organization. Um, You win and you're competitive because there's strong core values. Uh, But at the same time, you know, you need that leading individual to move you forward. And that was our focus during that period. Um, James Harden deserves a ton of credit. Uh, We acquired a a special player who's a special person as well. And his drive, his motivation, all we did was unlock it and give him the opportunities that he deserved. But the execution of that is hard. And Sam Presti and the Oklahoma city thunder were, were good partners. You know, it was a fair process and they had objectives. They had to meet. We had objectives we had to meet, but you never know, you know, the reality is you look at that situation and you think, Hey, you know, they're going to work it out on their end. They're going to find a way to uh, get the extension done. And this is Sam just being thorough and diligent and making sure he's, he's looked at all of um, the options that he has to explore. Uh, but the reality was this one felt different. You know, we, we talk often about championships and success and how do you get there? The reality is if you have good people, if you have good process, if you have the vision um, over time, you're going to execute a plan and, and, the things we were doing were we was right, we just hadn't had the success to back up what we were doing, but we believed in the process. Uh, you know, I really value the relationship with Daryl and I in terms of the execution, ex- executing strategic points in our franchise like this, and that it was a marriage. It was the analytics and the perspective and the history, but it was also the basketball and and the uh, the, the the part of people and how you handle relationships internally and externally. And this was a classic example of that. There was a point, as you said, going into that weekend when, you know, we were up against it and there was a time factor that was going to decide if this was going to happen or not as the extension was going to come into play. Um, and it's, you know, you get disappointed when, when you go through this, you're doing the right things, you get the wrong results. That's just how life is, not only in, in basketball but in life. And, um, that going into that weekend, you know, we were stressed, we were frustrated, but for some reason I felt a lot of peace that this one was going to come through. And Daryl and I often talk about it, but I don't remember if we were texting or emailing and, uh, his thought was like, they're going to get a deal done and we're going to lose this option. And I just felt something inside of me. I said, no, this, this is our break. This is our time and uh, he, he gives me a hard time about it but uh, it happened and when you see all that work all that effort all that preparation uh, come to fruition uh, it's special in our business because it's you have a lot of great people in our league that have great objectives uh, but not everybody gets the opportunity to execute their objectives and that's something not only for for the Houston Rockets but for the individuals that were part of that process personally, it was a very special time.
0: For as determined you guys were to make that deal, looking back, did you really have any idea what you were about to get in him and what he was... like? I think you thought maybe we're getting an all-star. I'm not sure you thought we're getting an
1: MVP, maybe a transcendent offensive player in this league. So we, we absolutely did not know we were getting an MVP. Um, but our... You know, our attraction to James started early on. Uh, When he came into the draft, we were very aggressive uh, with a couple of teams to try to get a pick to draft them. But we loved him as a player. We thought he fit us philosophically, uh, but we never thought he was going to reach these heights. And that's why he deserves the credit. Uh, What he's done, what he's accomplished, what lies ahead for him is monumental. Um, and he deserves the credit, and the coaches that work with him deserve the credit. Mike D'Antoni unlocking him in the way he's unlocked him deserves a ton of credit. Uh, but no, th- there was no chance. I mean, I, I kid with James whenever uh, whenever I see him. i be in there at the charter airport when, he, when he's arriving uh, in Houston for the first time. It's night and day to where he is now and who he is who is, you know, what his family's about, they deserve a ton of the credit. I remember his first night. I mean, he rolls in town. I think he goes to Detroit
0: with a team and puts up a 46-48 the first night. 44. And hit legend now it's 48. I've got it up to, 50, <laughs> it up to 54. 50 to yeah, with um, but that first night, you just kind of said, whoa. Well, he
1: had such a chip on his shoulder that – as much as we believed in him, he believed in himself more. And uh, to be fair, they had a very special thing going there in, in Oklahoma City. And that separation for him, I mean, he was there with, you know, with Russ and with KD. And they had a very special group. Uh, but he that lit a fire into him that he was going to do something that nobody expected him to do. Your journey coming
0: to this country as a three-year-old, from Bogota, Colombia with your family, you're an immigrant. You're an American success story. This is, you've lived the American dream. Your family has. We're in a day and age where, I mean, you are the first Latin president of an organization, the first to oversee everything with an NBA team. Uh, James Borrego, Caleb Canales, Others, Caleb was a, an assistant, was an interim coach in Portland. He's an excellent assistant with the Knicks now. And, and, of course, James Borrego, head coach in Charlotte. But to run a team and to do it in a climate where we have leadership in this country that has more than suggested that people who've lived your story are even capable of this. And, and the stereotypes and the demagoguery that's gone on here in the last few years is your breaking through in this role and really becoming, a, I think, a beacon, a role model for those in the basketball industry who want to do what you've done. Is it even more important now in the climate we're living in and you think of what your parents went through to come here, your family, and come here, learn a language, assimilate into Houston as a a young person? Has that all meant more in taking on this role And, and maybe even from what you're hearing from those in that community?
1: I mean, first off, I'm I'm just so incredibly humbled. Uh, just as you look at the landscape and getting the opportunity to be the the leader of a basketball operations, that in itself is it's so special. Uh, but I really do believe everything happens for a reason, and the timing couldn't be better. And for me, what this means and the opportunity for me to impact not only basketball, not only Minnesota. Um, but my world, where I come from, uh, you know, the people that I represent individuals, not only to, to give them a motivation and a hope that if I can do it, they can do it. Um, you know, and every young boy and young girl out there that, that's searching for their passion, but also for, uh, Latinos everywhere, um, in this day and age, what they're going through the images that are displayed. Uh, how they're being talked about. Um, you know, I, my parents made uh, an incredible sacrifice. You know, they were professionals in Colombia uh, to come to the U.S. to give us a better life and better opportunity. That's what the American dream is all about. And uh, we left a beautiful country in Colombia with beautiful people and uh, things that are very important in terms of who I am and what I'm about and I know there's people all over not only this country but this world that are being impacted at such a negative level for situations they can't control. Columbia at that time and place, it was a tough place. It was a rough time. It, it was going through a lot. Uh, but the responsibility of showing not only the U.S. but the world um, that there's good people with dreams and with capabilities to – come to new countries and to give back and to impact a country and a society that's done so much for them is special um and i'm i'm only one of of many that have the opportunity to impact uh we were at the lottery the other night and um that sentiment really hit me home um you know we're sitting there getting ready to go on stage and i'm standing with james borrego who is uh Latino head coach from the Charlotte uh, Hornets, and uh, Raul Fernandez, uh, Latino owner of the uh, Washington Wizards. And for us, different backgrounds, you know, different paths to the league, different experience, but it was so special, we had to take a picture together. You know, where have you seen, at what point in time, that, you have Latino representation at the ownership level, at the president level, and at the head coaching level. Uh, but I give Adam Silver a ton of credit uh, and his group, Mark Tatum. They embrace diversity. They embrace the power of different, different people, different backgrounds, different approaches. And this is what this league is all about—to be able to sit there with those two other individuals. And have the opportunity to reflect on what it's meant to not only us, our teams, our league, uh, but our people throughout Latin America. And in a day and time when, you know, many of those individuals are looked down upon, there's so much hope, there's so much fight, there's so much belief in this country. Because of the opportunities that are given and because of what it means to be an American and... The lifeblood of the U.S. as an immigrant community is what makes it the greatest country in this world. So I, I take that responsibility. I take that responsibility incredibly, uh, personal because we're going to do a lot of great things in Minnesota with the Timberwolves. Uh, but what this means to individuals throughout all this country is something that I think about every day. Your childhood when you
0: came, you were three, you don't, you're not old enough to remember coming here but the stories your parents tell their pathway what was it like what was the process of coming here and then settling in Houston and then finding a new
1: life at that time so you talk about you know it's not only the typical things of like new language but it's a new culture it's a new way of life you're away from from a lot of your family whether it's grandparents aunts and uncles and you're starting life in a totally different way Um, you know my parents were professionals educated in colombian they're coming in at a ground level trying to learn the language and it's so interesting when you're a three four five year old and you're learning english as your parents are learning english and you know they're highly educated but it's a new start for everybody so for me you know just the people that we were around uh, how we were welcomed how we were supported it's always a challenge change is never easy but um I think that's what drives you is the opportunity and uh, your commitment to say thank you by giving back in what you do and you know how education was perceived for me and my family and my three younger brothers, um, you know what it meant to have the opportunity to do something of significance, uh, to give back and to make not only my parents proud or our family proud, but to prove that that opportunity was not given in vain. Are your credit card bills
0: keeping you up at night? Are the interest rates in double digits? Be smart and pay off your credit card balances with a credit card consolidation loan from Lightstream. Get a fixed rate as low as 5.95% APR with auto pay, and you could save thousands in interest. With Lightstream, you can get a loan from 5,000 to 100,000, and there are no fees. You can even get your money as soon as the day you apply. Plus. Lightstream is a division of Sun Trust Bank, one of the nation's largest financial institutions, so you can have complete peace of mind. Want to save even more? My listeners get an additional interest rate discount. The only way to get this discount is to go to lightstream.com slash Woj. That's L-I-G-H-T-S-T-R-E-A-M dot com slash Woj, W-O-J. Subject to credit approval, rate includes 0.50% percent auto paid discount. Terms and conditions apply and offers are subject to change without notice. Visit lightstream.com slash woge for more information. You've spent, I mean, I don't know that there's many people in the league who have more uh, check marks, stamps I should <laughs> say, right, in their passport. Not just the scouting you do, you would do with the Rockets that you'll do with the Wolves. To go scout players, but also go the NBA's Basketball Without Borders, which has extended in Latin America and Europe and Asia, Africa. I think you've probably hit every one of those places to work at those camps. And now I think they used to be more – now they've become real prospect camps. I think before it was more grassroots, sort of grassroots, right? What do you see when you go – And literally how global the game is and the talent, but I think it's not just, yeah, guys want to get here as players, but whether it's young coaches or people who now start to understand, maybe I can work as a scout. I'm not good enough to be a player or I'm finished as a player, but I think front offices, coaching staffs are going to start looking more like the world and the world game and looking more like what we see on the court with players from, I think the staffs are going to reflect that, right? That's what's next.
1: So two individuals have strongly impacted me uh, in this area. One is uh, Dennis Lindsay, who just drilled it uh, th- early in my career. Like, what can you do to grow, to develop a game that's going to give you so much and bless you so much? Uh, and then Kim Bohony, uh the mother of the NBA international players, um, the passion for the sport. Uh, but it's it's such a special initiative i've I've been fortunate to be the director of NBA Basketball Without Borders Americas and um, it's a process that's it's fulfilling because it's grassroots. it's evaluating it's developing talent on the court off the court but it's it's a process that gives back. I mean we're identifying players visiting markets all over the world. And yet, as we grow the game, the game comes back and benefits all of us. Um, the game is an international game, which makes basketball such a beautiful game. But as we develop players, as we develop coaches, all these guys might not be NBA players. But what it does is it raises the development of the game. And over time, we're going to get the benefit of NBA players here in in the U.S. coming from that program, coaches. Front office executives, players that maybe are good enough to come to the U.S. and go to college and have that passion and that desire to impact at the NBA level the same way that I was able to. So for me, it's such a special project. Um, the league uh, and Kim Bahoni deserves so much credit, uh, but it's it's incredible where the game can take you uh, all over this world. Incredible relationships, incredible experience. Some of my all-time favorite dinners and meals and community events have taken place as a result of Basketball Without Borders and have led to more opportunities. Um, you know, I think USA Basketball and my opportunity to be part of a gold medal winning team with Coach Krzyzewski in Brazil was a direct result of not only my passion for this area, but the experience to say, um, you know, I know the global basketball community well. Having been in Houston with Yao Ming, and I'm not sure there's been a player who's
0: had the impact globally that he's had since he came into the league, and the league still benefits from the doors he opened in China, and every player who's got a shoe deal and goes on tour there for two weeks (laughs) in August owes him probably a percentage of that deal. And I always remember feeling that in in Beijing in the Olympics. To me, one of the great things I've ever seen in sports was that USA-China game to open the Olympics and Yao probably should not have been playing. You know, and so I did a podcast with him in Toronto at the all-star game a couple years later, a few, several years later. And he talked about the responsibilities that he felt to the national team. I think he literally apologized to Rockets fans on the podcast saying that I've cost my, the Rockets paid a price for my devotion to play for China The responsibility he felt, but he had had a serious leg injury months earlier. He probably should not have been playing But he was not going to miss the Olympics in Beijing. And I remember the first two trips on the court, he makes a couple long jumpers. And he wasn't moving that great up and down. And I don't know that I've ever heard a sound like that. And I, you could feel the American players, Chris Paul and Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, like they felt it too. They knew what it meant. And, you know, he marched in the stadium them. He obviously led their delegation. But I always thought that Olympics and the appreciation the American players had for Yao, what he meant there, but what he meant for all of them was I always thought there was a respect there that was was massive.
1: You talk about such a special individual and maybe the most humble superstar of our era um, but an individual who cared so much about. Doing the right things every step of the way. And I, I know my career has benefited greatly from not only having him on our team, but as a friend. And to this day, a guy who you pick up the phone and you got to make sure the time is right because you're calling Shanghai, but will pick up and will be so personable about how he can help you and how you know, uh, things are here and how the organization is in Houston. And, you know, he reached out to me about this new opportunity. And, um, here's, you know, the head of China basketball calling me to, uh, congratulate me and, and wish, wish me his best in Minnesota with the Timberwolves. Um, uh, but that's who he is. And he brought a genuineness, a uh, special commitment to our game. That you're right. I mean, and the humility and the professionalism uh, from a figure that impactful in our game uh, who ushered in what the NBA is in China right now was such a special experience for me. And uh, being in Houston and seeing the impact of a guy like Hakeem Olajuwon and a person who's still involved with the organization and having, having Yao and having Luis Scola and having all these speaks to the mind of our game and the diversity of what it's all about. You guys always had, I think you used to bring it up, you have this memory
0: of Yao in your offices, right? He'd walk into, (laughs) was it maybe the video room? The video room. It just
1: reminds you of how massive he was, right? We had this cabinet and um, I'd be locked in watching video, breaking down video and it'd be after practice and he'd come in and he was so he is so cordial and so personal. He wouldn't go by without say, saying hello to someone or making sure that they felt that they were appreciated. But he'd come in we had this high cabinet and he'd give you such a humbling perspective of size. He'd come in and turn the corner, poke his head in, say hello, and then he would put his arm or his elbow on top of the cabinet. And we we're talking about I mean eight, nine, ten feet, like <laughs> his wingspan. And for him, he was just hanging out. But for us, it was this massive individual uh, who was so talented, who was so gifted as a player, but an even better person was so powerful.
0: Yeah, he, he was on, I think people forget sometimes because of the injuries, how skilled and dominant he was at his size. No one had ever and the great ones appreciate him, like yeah. Keel and yeah. the battles they had. I thought he was on his way. The first major injury he had, I thought he was on his way to an MVP season. I remember was it? he might have been averaging 25, 26, and 12, 13 in blocks when he had the first leg injury. But I'm trying to remember what year that was. But I thought he was on his way to an MVP season.
1: He, he was it, so talented. And, and people don't realize, like, offensively his skill level was off the charts. But defensively his impact. I mean, he wasn't your prototypical – pick and roll defender but his ability to plug the middle to protect the basket, a defensive rebound was massive and you don't realize and you don't value that un- until it's gone and yeah. we spent a lot of time you know trying to respond to his to his exit and it was hard i think jeff van gundy always said his biggest language
0: barriers often came when Jeff was talking about pick and roll defense coverages <laughs> that Yao didn't. He, he seemed to understand. He, he had well, less of an understanding, less of a command well, to of the be language. To be fair, to
1: Jeff and we, on those <laughs> rosters, not only did we have Yao, but we had Kembe and uh, uh, you know, so you're talking about multiple languages at all times, and we're not even discussing pick and roll coverage yet. Gerson, with Minnesota, you come in and
0: coaching search, you know, figuring out. You look at the roster and you figure out how do we go forward. There's not always things to do right away. There's not always, you know, people always want big deals, dramatic change. It doesn't, opportunity might present itself, but you may be working to set yourself up for something six months from now, 12 months, 18 months. It's when the opportunity comes and you're in position. But Carl Anthony Towns, sitting down with him, I know you've, you've had a chance to visit with him. You know, this is a player who your organization is built around. What was the sense you got from him about where he is, what he wants, and then what you need out of him?
1: You know i said this earlier but this opportunity and this role uh just everything seemed right and I, I didn't know carl anthony before coming to the timberwolves but you know being of latino descent we have a good perspective uh you know i remember um uh, him playing with the dominic national team and uh his perspective his passion for that so we have a natural crossing path um And as I visit with him, it's been such a special experience to see this unbelievably talented young man who's got a passion and a drive to be great, not only for himself, but for the Minnesota Timberwolves and a player who's doing uh, things in this game very early in his career um, that give signs to something very special and very rare into the future. So I see a great partner in Carl. I see a guy who's very committed to the success of this organization. Um, And it excites me because this is about the players. And when you step into an organization where you have a foundation piece like Carl uh, and to hear his drive, to hear his passion, um, to hear how excited he is about our vision and what we're going to do and how we're going to do it, it drives me because my responsibility is not only to Glenn and and Becky Taylor, but it's to Carl. We have to maximize who he is on the court, off the court, his career. And that means everything. That means the staff we hire, the coaches we hire, the players that are on the roster. How can we connect at the highest level with him and both challenge him and support him to be the best player he can be? So to me, that, that was one of the primary reasons of why I sit here today, because I see uh, a great partner in Carl as we work through this together. Um, And I'm excited about fulfilling his dreams of you know, maximizing him as a player but having success at the highest level in Minnesota. Gerson, when you take over an organization
0: that has gone through, you know, as basketball goes, I hate to use this word, it's not real world traumatic, but in basketball terms goes through You know, the firing of their president and coach Tom Thibodeau, all the turmoil that came with the Jimmy Butler trade demand and then the trade and then the fallout from it. And then the uncertainty of, you know, everybody who's in the organization wonders, okay, well, who are they bringing in? Who are they hiring? What does that mean for me? Do you have to sort of be cognizant of all that when you come in to try to stabilize things? You know, you're not coming in here and cleaning house. You, I saw all the Timberwolves officials at, the combine they're working like your group has gone to work. I know they're working back in Minnesota. What do you think your responsibility is when you take over
1: to, to try to calm some of that and and get the thing moving? Well, first off, uh, I lived it, you know, Daryl Morey comes into Houston and, um, is in a succession plan to take over for Carol Dawson and, uh, to live through that process. And I, I understand what they're going through the, anxiety, the unknown, you know, you're, you're not dealing with just individuals, you're dealing with families, and it's coming at a very critical time. Minnesota's had a hard 12 months, um, you know, and a lot of change is taking place in a short period of time, so the impact on that of people and staff and even the market and the fan base is, is rough. But you look back, and I think Tom and, and the leadership group there deserve credit in that a year ago, they're you know they're in the playoffs. Uh, maybe a couple games here and there from being top four in the West. Uh, but in this day and age of the league, that's where we're at. It change. It can change at any moment. Uh, the impact of roster decisions, the impact of leadership decisions in an organization, uh, means there's going to be change. So uh, where we're at as an organization is. You know, and I said this before, but I work inside out. I want to give every of those individuals an opportunity, and I want to find the best partners. Uh, there's value in that organization, and as a leader, it's my responsibility to evaluate what's there and the individuals that can help put them in a position to help us. So I want to be thorough. Um, I want to be. F- fully evaluate all the situations but i want to be sensitive to it because i've lived it and i benefited greatly from it those changes for me the opportunities daryl gave me um the ability to be a partner to him and to do things that we hadn't done in houston was very special so uh, we do this as a group this is not a one-man job and and my responsibility uh, to ownership is to put the best group together that i can your wardrobe gonna
0: have to change dramatically. Gerson, winter <laughs> coats, a lot of tunnels in Minneapolis, right? You'll, you'll before you toughen up, I imagine you'll be walking through the tunnels before you'll walk out into the cold. Is that how you imagine your adjustment up there?
1: There's definitely a transition, uh, but as, uh, our, our CEO and, and President Ethan sold me on it, um, You know, we're ahead of the game. You know, you talk about global warming and (laughs) Minnesota is going to be an unbelievable place to be. So I'll be here. You may own beachfront property in Minnesota before this uh, century is over. Absolutely. (laughs) No, but it's, you know, and and to me it's important because wherever you go, you've got climate challenges. That's just part of life. But one thing is, you know, we want to be the warmth of Minnesota. Uh, as it means that an organization, a team, players, we're excited and the energy that we have to do something special, something that hasn't been done, uh, really, really, uh, invigorates me. Uh, you know, we're, we're gonna come together as an organization. We're gonna work together at all levels. And we wanna be a part of a special time of this league and this game that's gonna help us to set apart from other teams and other organizations. Gerson, you've got a plane to catch. I've got a drive to make
0: this afternoon. Good catching up. I know uh, I'll probably see you at some of the agent workouts out in California in the next couple of weeks.
1: It's that time of the year. It's that time of the year where uh, you know everything runs concurrently. Uh, we've got a lot of work to do. Uh, it's a pivotal times for the organization. Uh, but again, this is this is a dream. It's a passion, and to be able to do it uh, with this organization and. And this ownership group is very special. I, I do want to say one thing, Woj, and uh, we lost uh, a, a great basketball man this past week. And uh, very, very humbling to me. You know, it, it's funny how life plays out, especially professionally. But I was a young assistant coach at Westbury Christian, coaching a player named Indy Eby. Uh, I'm at a draft workout for Indy, and I see Kevin McHale and uh, Rob Babcock working him out. And those guys were very, very nice to me, said hello to me. And uh, that was it. You know, that was my exposure to them. I end up going to the Rockets in my role. And I'm scouting out in New York, out in a suburb uh, one winter. And uh, a storm is coming. And uh, once again, I cross paths with Rob Babcock. Now he's the GM of the Minnesota Timberwolves. And he remembered me from that experience we had together, and he comes and grabs me from the gym. He's like, "Hey, there's a storm that's getting ready to hit. I've got a van. Trains are shut down. There's no transportation out of this gym. Come on and jump in the car with us. We're going back to the city." You know that that was my 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 second interaction with Rob, and a great man with a great heart, great basketball mind, uh, but a person of, of incredible. Uh, human value, and uh, did things for me he didn't have to do, and uh, we remained friends throughout his career in the league, and, um, you know, it's, we, we lost a good one, uh, a man who was passionate about the game, who was passionate about the Minnesota Timberwolves, and whose family, uh is stretched across the NBA at different levels. So, you know, my prayers and thoughts are with his family uh during this difficult time. Well, well said, Gears. Thanks for doing this. We will see you soon. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of the Woj Pod. A big thank you to our guest today, the Minnesota Timberwolves President of Basketball Operations, Gearson and Roses. Remember, you can listen to new and archive episodes of the Woj Pod on Apple Podcasts com or wherever else you get your programs and of course, A big thank you to our sponsors, Wix.com, Peloton, and Lightstream. Be sure to support them the way they support us here at the WojPod. We'll catch you next time.